You're listening to 91.5 FM WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, the voice of Rollins College and the best in basement radio. You are tuned into the Motorsports Hour, talking about all sorts of racing. It happens here on WPRK every Sunday night from 8 to 9 p.m. Let me give you the website, themotorsportshour.com and WPRK.org. Take us with you wherever you are in the world via the WPRK app. My name is Clark alongside me tonight, as always. Mr. Chris Wire to Wire Wire, how you doing? You doing okay over there? Yeah, aside from some technical difficulties. Yeah, but I, I tell you what, we, we're we're getting it figured out here. Uh, you know, we always do. I mean, yeah, we've only been doing this for a couple years. I, yeah, I know. I, I, once we get to year like twenty-five or thirty, I think we will have it down by then. I hope. Yeah, <laughs> I certainly hope. It's tough for an old dog to learn new tricks, man. It is. I, I don't know what it is. but You've yeah. been here since you were a young dog, though. I, I have been here since I was a young dog. And, and guess what? There's a lot that has changed since then. A yeah. lot that has changed since then. I so there was The there, studio. Yeah, the studio. There was there was no such thing as Bluetooth. Uh, you know, we had everything on CDs, all that kind of stuff and, and everything. And yeah. Good anyway. times. Yeah, it, it was good times. Did hey. you ever bring in a turntable and, you know, just kind of... Uh, wiki, wiki, wiki. Well, we used to have turntables. I used to do that a little bit here and there, but I was mm-hmm. not very good at it. Um, uh, but, you know, a, a little bit here and there. But we had cart machines, had mini disc stuff. We used to have a little mini disc recorder that I'd go get interviews on and, and, and you know, record race sounds and all that kind of stuff. I do remember walls and walls of music. Yeah. I, I got to be honest. I miss that. I miss the giant CD library that... You know, you never you never really looked at it too much because, well, your phone has more than I don't know how many albums we had in there, twenty thousand, thirty thousand, and we were constantly, constantly, um, you know, getting rid of albums, getting rid of CDs, and all that kind of stuff because we just didn't have the space for it. But it also was fun just to go through there and just start looking around in different categories, different stuff, and picking stuff up and. It, 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 it was a cool way to, you know, get introduced to music and stuff like that. And somebody would say, hey, you know, you ever heard of this band? Hold on, let me go check. Go look into the library. And, you, you know, oh, hey, we got five albums by them. You know, and you start digging into that kind of stuff. It was a fun, it was a different way to learn about music. Now it's all through Spotify and everything and all that kind of stuff. But WPRK, we used to be that. That's what WPRK used to be. The tastemakers and, you know, of of new music and stuff we used to take call in we did till that went sideways yeah that, that's gone sideways <laughs> once or twice imagine that crazy people calling a uh calling a radio station um good times yeah it, it has been a fun uh, a fun ride um been doing it for uh, more than a year or so um 20 20 plus uh with all that being said let's let's get into it wire no racing this weekend we got some news going on in the world of formula one um but uh, we got a race coming up. Finally, it seems like we have been off for forever because we have been off for forever. Um, I was about ready to welcome in the new season. Uh, seriously, I mean, it, it's basically spring break uh, extended. Uh, we've been off for a month, and uh, you know, eventually we will get back. We had the Chinese Grand Prix scheduled, but that got you know that was canceled. So we we last raced on April second. Next race is next weekend, April 30th. So uh, we were going to have the Chinese Grand Prix wedged in there, but that got uh, canceled. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know 
of many, many jobs where, you know, you make this much money and you get two month long vacations during the year. Yeah. I don't know of any jobs. And then an off season. Yeah. And then an off season, you know, other sports don't have that. And that's one of the things that, that, that has always kind of bugged me about Formula One. Oh, it's just so much work for all the people who work there and everything. It's like, don't think of this like a normal job. You have to think of it like being in a, a, a as part of a, a team, an athletic team, any sort of sports team. That's the job. It is a twenty four seven job during the season. It there there are no breaks, and except in Formula One where they do have breaks, but. Well, it, it used to be the season was, you know, early April until mid-October. Yeah. Those days are gone. No, and and now it's early March through November. And that's still, you know, that's still a lot shorter than a lot of professional sports leagues seasons. Well, yeah, and the teams are much larger. Yeah. So the, you know, the the jobs within the team are much more specialized than you used to have. I mean, you don't think in the early 90s that McLaren had 60 people showing up at the track or whatever, you know, following at, at any venue in the world. No. They just they just didn't. It wasn't that complex. I mean, now we have these, you know, these <laughs> fold-out monuments, you know, that they have to each team in the paddock area for hospitality and, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And we never had that before. It was a tent. Yeah. And it was a canopy, and it was temporary housing, you know, kind of thing. And, and now they just take it with them. Yeah. Wherever they go, crazy. It, it, it is cool what they do and everything, but it, it's it's being a member of a sports team. You that's that's the thing. That's the way you have to look at it. And there are lots of people who are members of sports teams uh, who aren't players. Uh, you know, NBA. There's five guys on the court at, at a time, and I, I think they might travel with more than five, though, uh, more than six even. You know, they've got a ton of people that come with them. There's a lot more people behind the scenes. And then you got all the people who work at the arenas, all that kind of stuff, who are part of the team in one in some way, shape, or form. Uh, you know, whether it's the you know ushers and everything, or the the ticket takers, whatever it may be, um, they're all part of the team in some way. Uh, and you know, you got these seasons, and the seasons last a long time. Same thing for Formula One. You're part of a sports team. You got to travel a lot. You're away from your family. It's a. It's not something that I would want to do now, certainly, but that's kind of what you're signing up for. Yeah, and I think that you know Formula One being top of the heap, so to speak. Yeah, you know that these guys don't travel back from Australia and then go into the factory on Monday and do the wind tunnel. I mean that that stuff's already handled. That's the crew at the factory right. that's constantly doing that. That doesn't go to the track. So, you know, going back to the specialization, you know, you're a tire guy, you're a tire guy. You train, obviously, you'd have to be very athletic and and agile. And, you know, whatever your specialty is, you have to be at the top of your game in that specialty. Now, maybe you have ancillary tasks, but you're not running the wind tunnel, you're not building the engines, you know. Yeah, you're not doing everything. You're not doing the accounting, you know, it's not like... It's not like these. All these tasks are, are spread out over a very, very small staff. It's you know the, the staffing is huge. 
Yeah, and, it's and probably a, in the hundreds. I mean, for most teams. Oh yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely. Well into the hundreds, if not into the thousands, uh, or, or close to it uh, for a team like a Mercedes or something. Yeah, uh, and and you think about it, and and all the different things that go into it, and the hundreds of millions of dollars that they spend on it, and and then of course the crossover between Mercedes and you know the Formula One team that is Mercedes and everything and how many people there must be who have some sort of job, you know, working in between those two and doing everything. It's, you know, it's it's interesting. It's fascinating. It's millions and millions of dollars. A lot of people getting a lot of money to do it. Uh, a lot of people probably not making a ton of money to do it, but working in Formula One, doing what they love and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but it, it, it is, it would be an interesting life, but not necessarily one that I want to live. I'm happy watching it. Uh, on TV most weekends. And that we will do next weekend. Yes, we will. Uh, in Baku. We are back in Baku. And then Wire. Um, I'm happy to be in Baku. I, I'm happy to be in Baku, too. And then we're going to be in Miami. Week after that. Yeah. Now, that seems weird. It does seem weird. Because they're not next to each other. No, they are not. Baku and Miami are not close. They're both on the water. I'll get not even the same body of water. Though. No, not the same body of water. Um, but the Miami racetrack is not on. It's it's fake water, though. It, there is a ditch that runs nearby. There, there's a canal. It's South Florida. There's canals everywhere. Um, but uh, yeah, this is not Miami Beach where we are racing. We're not racing at South Beach. By the way, not even Miami Gardens, is it? I mean, it's. Uh, um, it's not even Miami. It's Cape Coral, isn't it? It's Cape Coral, or maybe it is Miami Gardens or something like Coral that. Coral Gables or, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, uh, whatever it is. You know, uh, I, I was thinking about this. Brightline Trains, the new train that we have that's getting ready to open up here in Orlando, um, will get you from Orlando to Miami in three hours, $79 nice. one way. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, you know what? Not this year. It's not going to be running this year for the Grand Prix. But maybe next year, I you know, buy one of those tickets for a couple hundred bucks. Oh, wait, no, they're not a couple hundred bucks, are they? Um, but, you know, figure out some way that you can get something for two, three hundred bucks. Hop on the Brightline train, go down there, watch it, hop back on the Brightline, come back home, and then you don't have to pay the $3,000 a night for a hotel room in Miami during the course of the Grand Prix. You can go to the, you know, race or go to qualifying or practice or something, see a little bit of it. Would be cool to do. Yeah, but what if you want to hang out with, you know, Jay-Z and Beyonce? Um, well, for one, that's not high on my list of things to do, um, particularly. And guess what? I know they do not want to hang out with me, so. You know what else you don't want to do? What? See Max throw a pitch at the baseball stadium again. No, that was bad. And this is the downside. We don't have enough time. Second for... worst throw ever I've ever seen. Yeah, who, who was it? Uh... Tony Fauci. Tony Fauci? The Fouch. Yeah, he, his was pretty bad. Oh, yeah. Carl, Carl Lewis had one that was really awful back in the day. So he, Carl Lewis can't pitch and he can't sing? Yeah. You remember the tragic national anthem that he I, you butchered know, like crazy? I, no, I don't. But oh, my gosh. Great awful. runner. But I don't recommend you go find that. Yeah. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's uh, jump into some F1 news, shall we? Hard Rock, by the way, is in Miami Gardens. Okay, there we so go. So there's some Miami there. Yeah. It's just not the, you know. Miami Gardens. Super-duper rich Miami. I, 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 Miami Gardens is not Miami, but, hey, it, it, it is for the Grand Prix. All right, um, 
Big changes over at Mercedes. Uh, James Allison back into his old role as Formula One technical director. Didn't they just say that he wasn't coming back? Um, yeah, so he switched. So he, he moved up. So he was he was their technical director at Mercedes for, you know, basically the guy who did everything with the car. And then he moved to a broader role at Mercedes and was in that role for a couple of years. And then I said, no, we need you back designing the car. You know, they do. They they do. They absolutely do. He designed the car that won all the world championships. And they said, okay, why don't you move to a broader role? You know, you're going to be the guy who is in charge of the guy who designs all the cars and stuff now. Okay. You know, here's a promotion. Maybe you work a little bit less, a lot of, you know, a lot more money, all that kind of stuff. You, you done good, James. And then they said, um, yeah, we need you back. This ain't working. Because it's not. Carl, last year... You know, they got a win last year, George Russell in Brazil. Um, that was it. The car, you know, it, this year we're three races in, and it looks to me like nobody can come close to matching the Red Bulls. And maybe the Mercedes is too. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Um, but it doesn't look like anybody can come close to matching them. It looks like what Red Bull has this season, their dominance that they had last year has just been extended for this year. They have even more dominance on tap. Um, you know, everybody gets a little bit better, incrementally better, and they got a lot better, which is tough. It, it, it's hard to see how you can do that when, when you are so good and so dominant as Red Bull was last year how they can continue to make the car that much better. Because it, it, it seems like what we've had in years past, okay, you know, the Ferrari is really strong in the Schumacher era, and they, they were dominant for years, but as that would wear on, people would start eating into them a little bit. And look, the Mercedes was dominant when it came out of the gate. And then people would kind of get into it a little bit, and then we have this, you know, knockdown drag-out battle with Max Verstappen and everything for the World Drivers' Championship and, and, and all that. And um, then we get brand-new cars, every you know, new playing field. Red Bull's clearly the class of the field, but nobody's been able to really eat into them a little bit. You've, you've had some teams in the, mid set, in, the, in the mid-pack kind of eat into that upper echelon, Aston Martin, um, you know, in, in their fighting against Ferrari and, and Mercedes – but nobody can seem to take the fight to Red Bull. So are we convinced, or do we prefer one or the other, did Red Bull get markedly better, or in trying to improve from last year, has every other team just not seen the gains that they had hoped? Because the way I look at it, if you know, we, we often see, and I send these to you from time to time, uh, a one-lap overlay, uh, an animation sure. of, let's say, a quality lap. Right. And, you know, the, the Red Bull's three-tenths faster or four-tenths faster at the end of the lap. There are many areas in that animation where Red Bull's is only equal to the other cars. Yeah. But when it comes to straight-line speed... That's where they gain all their advantage. 
Yeah, they are really slick and very fast in a straight line. So it's either power or it's, you know, drag, aerodynamics, you know, whatever. It's not necessarily downforce because what those animations reveal is they're not gaining time in the corners. No, they're, they're not. They're only just as fast as everybody else. And and I think what is 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 so unique about the Red Bull and so special about the Red Bull is that um, it's incredibly light on the tires. It does not abuse the tires the way the Mercedes or the Ferrari does. Um, it just and 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 race pace is is now a very different thing than it used to be. Race pace used to be you know the the car that was fastest in qualifying is going to be the car that's going to be fastest on race day. That's typically the way it's always worked, and that is just not the case anymore. Um, the Red Bull doesn't always qualify on the pole, um, but it is by far the fastest car in race conditions, and that's what all these teams, I think, I think what Red Bull has done is said, let's not build the car that is the fastest over a flying lap in a vacuum, so to speak. Uh, you know, you know, no traffic, nothing to contend with. You don't have to cons- you know, be concerned about tire wear, all that kind of stuff. And I think that's where a lot of teams kind of still are. We want to build the car that is the fastest possible car over a lap. And I think Red Bull has moved past that. And they've said, no, we want to build the fastest car that's the fastest car over the course of a stint, over the course of a race. Uh, a car that manages manages its tires incredibly well, and a car that races as such that it's always like they have more in the tank. They always have something else to give. You know, the passes that we've seen, you know, okay, you know, Lewis Hamilton wrestling the car past Max, and then Max just easily passes him, just goes by him so easy. And that's what I think the difference with the Red Bull is. It's kind of what they've designed the car to be um, and where they have found their success, really. So I, w- I wonder, you'll recall back in the, uh, in the days of Sebastian Vettel and the early days of Max, Red Bull always showed up with a thinner rear wing than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so... And a ton of rake. In the car too. Yeah, they they had by far the most rake built into the car, and that may factor into it or not. Especially now, you know, with the you know the big wide diffuser on the floor, you know, perhaps that's a, a gain or a loss. We don't know. I'm I'm no aerodynamicist, but what I see from Red Bull and what I think it is, I, I don't I don't think Honda just went out and got them massive amounts of power that nobody else found. No. I don't think that's it. But I think what they've done is maximized the efficiencies of the arrow in every possible way. Now, maybe it's something that Adrian Newey hit on. Maybe he learned it from building sailboats. Yeah. Because, you know, that's now apparently a passion of his, and he's working on, you know, things for Red Bull. Could very well be a covert you know, aerodynamics program for F1. Who knows? But yeah, there's a way to get if you, if you think about the, you know, the, that they show up with usually less angle of attack on the wing, which would make them faster, 
But then when you hit the DRS, it's almost like no wing. Yeah. And what what their car is able to do and how it how the DRS interacts with the car um, and what they've designed, been able to design it to do is really impressive. The gains that Red Bull sees with DRS are much more significant than what other teams see with, see with DRS. You know, well, you, you get a 10K boost or something like that when you go with, when you have DRS active. It, it, it's like 15 kilometers an hour or something like that, or whatever, it's 13 or whatever the number is with the Red Bull. It's just that much more efficient, that much more effective. And I think that comes from an approach to saying, okay, let's not design the car. You want the car to go faster, add more wing in. Build bigger wing. We'll go faster through the corners. They've they've taken the other approach. No, we need to be fast in a straight line everywhere, which, you know, that's always been the approach at somewhere like Monza or something like that. But it was that was kind of a singular racetrack, and everything else was kind of an in between. Then you get to you know Monaco and the Hungaro Ring. Yeah, crank all the downforce on that you can, kind of deal. Um, but they've really taken this kind of new, different, just just a, a little bit different approach to designing the car so that it's good enough in the corners that people can't pass it. But so fast in a straight line, so crazy fast in a straight line that nobody can touch the car. And and I don't want to, I don't want to suggest it's just DRS, because what we've seen both last year and you know early on this year is. Whenever anybody's been able to get close, the DRS on the trailing car, even with a tow, isn't as effective because even without the DRS, the Red Bull is just fast. Yeah. Which means two things. It's got plenty of power, but it also doesn't, it's aerodynamically efficient in that it doesn't create this big, you know, tow behind it. That other teams can capitalize on. Yeah, they they don't they don't the wake isn't as big coming right. off the Red Bull, so they can't they can't draft. You can't draft the Red Bull as, like you can a different car. And you know, it's it's amazing to me that nobody else has seen this. this. You know, we're now in the second year of this spec, and you know there are there are certain elements of the aerodynamics that the teams cannot touch. But there shouldn't be any secret because the both the front and the rear wing and the side pods and everything are all, I mean, they're all plainly visible. So it is, you know, and we've done away with, you know, multifaceted barge boards and everything and, you know, the flooring that sticks out from, you know, just in front of the rear wheel. That's all to be seen. I mean, yeah. I mean why, you know, somebody else hasn't struck upon the same formula and I'm not saying they're not trying, but nobody's having the success in putting that whole package together that Red Bull is right now. And it's, you know, I mean, it's both spectacular to watch and to some degree it's a little boring. What is it? Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. I, you know, people would always hit out at the Formula One teams, oh, you just copied this team or you just copied what they did. Well, yeah, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you copy what they did? It works. I, you know, everybody, nobody had made a the, the you know double diffusers and the exhaust blown diffusers. Those didn't exist. And then Honda created it. 
uh, or well, not Honda, but it was BAR Honda, and then it was Braun, rather. Braun GP created it, and then everybody said, uh, we need one of those. We need to copy them and do that. Yeah, and and it's not like, you know, they stole the designs and just built their own with their own logo on it. Yeah. I mean, these guys, you know, chefs do this. They'll They'll take a recipe or something that's good, and they will deconstruct it down to the elements of that, you know, whatever the, the initial chef put together that tasted so good. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they're curious people, and maybe they want to recreate it in their own, you know, special way. But aerodynamicists, I don't believe, are really much different. If there's something that they see that's working, the natural inclination is to want to explore that to see if you can maximize any of it for your own gain, in this case, a Formula One team. And so, yeah, I mean, it's it's not just flattery. I mean, it's, you know, it's constantly trying to push the envelope to make your car faster. Yeah, and, and part of that, too, is, um, well, the, the Honda um, is good. The Honda engine has is, is gotten to be a really good engine. And it was a terrible engine, and now it's not anymore. It's a really good engine now. And... You know, what's going on? Honda's in, Honda's out. You know, it's going to be Red Bull powertrains. It is. It's, you know, branded the Honda RBPT H001. Red Bull powertrain Honda 001. Who knows where we're going to end up next year and, you know, years after that. But I think next year is their last year, is it not? It's supposed to be. 2024 is when the contract is up. Yeah. As of this show. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Um, some other news uh, in, in Formula One Wire. Um, an article in a German magazine uh, published an interview with Michael Schumacher. Saw that. Turns out that uh, it was uh, based on AI, artificial intelligence that... Uh, you know, they conducted an interview with artificial intelligence, I guess somehow, you know, supposed to be act and discuss things like Michael Schumacher. But, of course, they build it as an interview with Michael Schumacher. Uh, and now there's going to be a lawsuit with the family and all that kind of stuff. We are entering a new era, my friend. We are. All the deep fake stuff and that kind of stuff that's out there and everything. There's some some. Creepy stuff going on, and, you know, especially when magazines start interviewing people who um, we don't know. We still don't know what's going on with Michael Schumacher, yeah, which I mean, is it's, weird. It's, it's, it's almost 10 years. Well, I mean, that's true. And this is probably the one and only area where shortly after, you know, Michael was, you know, known to be severely injured, the family put out a request that we will release information on our schedule when we feel like it. Please, you know, respect our privacy. And the media complied. Yeah. I mean, the European sports media is notorious for not complying with stuff like that. You know, they always get the dirt. Yeah. But in this case, they didn't, and they haven't for a decade. We have, it's crazy. It's crazy. This has been a decade now, 10 years. I mean, we know it's, you know. 
I, I you know, it, it's not good. It can't be good. I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, if, if it was if it was good, if it was you know, if there was progress, if there was something to be celebrated, I, I think they would have done it. Especially when you know Mick was racing, racing for two years. So it, it can't be great. And I and I've said this before. I would rather remember Michael the way he was. Yeah. Rather than see some, you know, person who looks like Michael, maybe sounds like Michael, and, you know, just, it, you know, is not, not the same yeah. person. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm fine respecting their privacy. And for, well, for a period of time, you know, I'm like, man, I'd really like to hear something. Yeah. When you go 10 years and there's no good news, you just kind of say, you know what? It is what it is. Yeah, and it's not going to And I don't change. I don't need to know everything. No, it'd be nice uh, to know everything, but uh, that's not really a possibility. And, you know, hey, it, it's, it's tough when you have somebody who lived their life so publicly, um, as they did, was a superstar around the world, uh, and then, you know, has this horrible accident. And since it's happened, there has been... Nothing, nothing in almost 10 years. So I don't think we're ever going to, quite frankly, hear anything about him. I don't think so either. I think the next thing we ever hear about Michael will be, in uh, sadly, his passing. And who knows when that will be. And, you know, there there may very well be something, you know, after he passes away. Yeah, I think we'll The we'll family may him. choose to release the information at that point in time. Because then they don't have to live through it. They don't have yeah. to live through the the backlash or, you know, whatever. There, there was a, a very early instance where there were, uh, you know, where there were a lot of assumptions, and those were put to rest pretty quickly. Jean Tote was mm-hmm. one of the, you know, one of the people that was able to do that um, because he was and still is close to Michael. But uh, once they tamped all that down, it, it's been very respectful. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, let's move on from that. Let's talk about Azerbaijan, shall we, Wire? Any other big uh, big news of note? Not really. Well, let's let's go to Azerbaijan, shall we? Why not? And Baku. It's on the water, right? I, I guess so. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, it's the Dead Sea, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Is the Dead Sea or is it the... I don't know. Red no, sea, it's not the... I don't think it's Red the Dead Sea. sea. Uh, geography. I, I'm normally pretty good at geography, but um, Mediterranean. I don't think it's on the Mediterranean. Well, anyway, I can um, look it up. I only have a computer right yeah, now. Yeah, that, that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> there we go. Um, Baku uh, on the Caspian Sea wire. The Caspian Sea. Good to know. Yeah. Now, um, now I won't get lost. No. When we. When we said, hey, we're going to Azerbaijan to race in Baku, and everybody goes, where, why, what are we doing? We're going to Azerbaijan? How do you, uh, uh, Azerbaijan? Okay, and the name of the city is Baku. It looks like a beautiful city. You know, it, it, it is a cool racetrack, too. You know, you race around this castle, this kind of crazy corner that's really tight and everything. Long, 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 long straightaway. Uh, are, are we reaching the highest speeds in Formula One in Baku? 
Is that where we hit the highest speeds in F1? Is it faster than Monza? Yeah. yeah. 230 you know, kilometers an hour or 230 mile an hour plus. It's it's over a mile long, the straightaway is. Long straight. And it's not entirely straight, so don't. But no, you do have a bend in there, and at, you know, 200 miles an hour, any little twist or turn is significant. So. So is a flat tire. Yeah. Here, here's a, no repeat winners at Baku. Love it. I, that, it it's kind of crazy to think about that, that you've never had somebody, nobody's won this race twice. Um, you know, Max has won it, Checo's won it, Botas has won it, Lewis has won it, and uh, Danny Ricardo won it. Looks like, a, you know, I, I like I like this track now. I like I like watching races there and everything. They have been able to make a street circuit race really well. Um, have some cool corners. It's not just long straightaway with a bunch of squiggly stuff. Um, it's a it's a good track. It's a good it's, track. It's, I like it. So, you know, the part of it is just you know these standard ninety degree turns. Sure. That you, you're going to get with a street circuit, but it's paved amazingly well. Very smooth, yeah, for a street circuit, and you have you know the the long run down to turn one, which if you look beyond, I think you can actually see you know the uh, Caspian Sea. I think you said the Caspian Sea, right? Yes, Caspian Sea, okay. Caspian Sea. You can see that, and you know the overhead shows that to be the case as well. But then you race kind of into the into the city to the old section, you know where. All of a sudden, you're going up hills, and there's some terrain, and these old buildings, you know, that are literally uh, really you know, yards from the racetrack. And you look at it, and it looks, you know, okay, you have these old European cities and everything. This looks every bit all as old and European as as any city I've I've ever seen. I mean, it, it is, uh, you know, on TV, it looks spectacular. It's a really beautiful looking place, and this is this is one of those places that I've. Didn't know anything about Azerbaijan or Baku and still, until F1 started racing there. And, you know, you see it and you go, it's a really beautiful-looking city. It's a really cool-looking place. Yeah, with almost, you know, dual personalities from an architectural standpoint. Yeah. Because there are very modern sections of the city as well. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's an Ibiza, you know, it's a tourist trap or something like that. I, I It doesn't appear to be. But there, there does appear to be some interesting elements. And here's the thing: we we like the track. We think it's a beautiful place to race and and everything. Um, it, it was started because you know Azerbaijan, being in the oil industry and everything, wanted to get more eyeballs on Azerbaijan and and you know having a a tie in with oil and you know gas production and everything with that with Formula One. And the problem with it is. The Azerbaijani people haven't necessarily embraced Formula One. So the whole butts in seats is—is uh, is that what you're getting at? They're, yeah, they just—they're um, not embracing it. I, you know, they're not embracing it, or whatever we want to, whatever we want to call it. Um, it's just not a—it's it, never has been in the past. Yeah, some people show up and all that kind of stuff, but there are races that are just not held. For people to come there, and, and that's the old way of thinking about racing, you know. Oh, you you race at this place because you can get people, you get the butts and seats, you get the money because the people buy the tickets, and that's why you go and race there. 
that's just not the case at a lot of races now. Uh, and Baku is one of those. It's just not, you know, this place that's filled with, you know, Tifosi and Formula One crazy people. And, you know, it's this could be the where they race. And the, just the sheer number of balconies that overlook the racetrack, there's more balconies here than there are in Monaco. Yet there's not people out on them all the time, which is just kind of crazy to me. Well, and looking at the map, it makes perfect sense. Because remember, the the initial race was the European Grand Prix, right? I'm, I think we stretched the borders of Europe. Uh, yeah, well, the, this was when they the, named that. This was Bernie. This was Bernie's doing. Uh, yes, it was the uh, a European Grand Prix held, um, not in Europe, really, um, uh, but held in Asia. Um, and you know, interesting how they uh, managed to do that, but they did. Anyway, so just again looking at the map, it is. Oh, maybe maybe I should go down here. It's um, forty one hundred and sixty three kilometers east of Monza. Okay, that's that's a ways east of Monza. Yeah, and so you know that's probably the nearest European country, and yeah. It's um, it's not anywhere close. So no, you know, it's on the border of Georgia. It's uh, it across the sea is Turkmenistan. Yeah, Kazakhstan is right over there. Uzbekistan. Yeah, and Iran is just south of them. Yeah, yep. So not exactly tourist traps. Any of them. No, but I, I tell you, it does look like a beautiful place. Let's talk about um, uh, some of the 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 dominant performances and everything uh, that we've seen so far this year uh, by Max Verstappen. Uh, he won there last year. There has not been a repeat winner of the uh, Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Why are, is this year going to be the first year that we have a repeat winner? Can Max break the, break the record? I mean, I, he has to be the favorite for sure. Yeah. The next question would have to be because obviously he and Checo are in the same car. Sure. And so era wise and power wise, Checo is his immediate competitor. And Checo has done well at Baku before. He has. He he won the, the prior year. So do do you automatically assume it's Max? Or do you give Checo a nod here? Well, I like Checo because I want Max to be challenged. I don't want him just to run away with this thing. And that's why the only reason I, I, I would pick Checo is not because I think, you know, he, he can beat him. I, look, Max is a better driver than Checo. He is. Lewis is a better driver um, than Nico Rosberg. But one year, Nico Rosberg got the bet, the better of him. Max is a better driver than Checo, but could this be Checo's year? Could this be the year that he is able to somehow beat Max? And and so far, you know, Max has finished first, second, and first. Checo's finished second, first, and fifth. 
And that's kind of been what we've seen happen with Checo in years past. A lot of, you know, a couple wins, a lot of second places, uh, and then a, a, you know, a smattering of fifth and sixth and eighth positions throughout the course of the season. And Max, it's first and second, first and second, first and second, basically the entire season. Yeah, I mean, he is able to to maintain a consistency that Checo so far hasn't been able to match. I think, you know, Checo is probably a little bit more motivated this year. There was a lot of talk from early on that, you know, Max was the number one driver of the team, and Checo very, you know, boisterously said, no, that's not the case. I've been assured that there is no favorite in the team. You know, I think they kind of designed the car around Max, so maybe that's not entirely true. Yeah, well, Max is the number one driver. He just is. Yeah. He just is. Well, and, you're a two-time world champion. You get a little bit of a nod. Yeah, and and you can say whatever you want, but he is the number one driver. Look, I, it's probably not a a thing like Michael Schumacher and Rubens Barrichello where it's like, okay, Rubens, you are the number two driver. Your job is to support Michael. That's it. You will be expected to move out of the way for him. Uh, at you know, at a moment's notice. But look, you're going to get to race for Ferrari and do all that kind of stuff. It's not that. No, they're free to race, and we haven't reached that point in the season yet. And we may not if you know if Red Bull is so dominant that they don't have to, you know, arrange you know Max be you know, you know, where Checo has to move over in favor of Max. Yeah, Max you know? is faster than you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, we haven't reached that. And I doubt we'll see it this year. But it's given Checo at least some confidence to be able to go out and assure his fans that, you know, we're racing on par with each other. There is no favoritism. There is no team orders. Although there was that curious call in Saudi about, you know, maybe you should, you know, meet this particular number. And then Checo calls the pits and says, well, is Max doing that too? And they said no. Yeah. So th- that was a curious call where they said, oh, wait, uh, you know, we, you're basically, you're driving the car too hard right now. We don't need you to drive the car that fast. You know, you can take your, you know, take your foot off the gas a little bit, slow it down, save the car. What's my teammate who's right behind me doing? Oh, well, he's still going for it. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to keep my foot in it then, boys. I want to win here. I don't want to, uh, all of a sudden, have a rear view filled with Max Verstappen. Yeah, it's uh, it was it was wild. I mean, you know, there's certain things you know you can uh, you can assume from that, and I think it's an easy assumption to make. Yeah. Uh, well, we we have a, a race coming up in Azerbaijan where, with that long, 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 long straightaway, I think this is going to heavily favor the Red Bulls. Uh, more so than any other car out there. And I think they're going to be utterly dominant as they have been to this point in the season. Yeah. I mean, I have rooted for Ferrari in the past. I'm still hopeful in in my lifetime to see another Ferrari victory. I'm not willing to bet on it, though. Yeah. I You know, they 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 somehow are able to, you know, snatch – defeat from the jaws of victory time and time again. They're not even close to being at that point right now. And, you know, I, quite frankly, I, 
Aston Martin has taken their place uh, as you know a dominant team or the dominant teams. No, they're the fourth. They're the fourth best team in Formula One right now. Ferrari is. For, yeah, Ferrari is fourth in the championship. Um, and you know Aston Martin and Mercedes are close, sixty-five and fifty-six points. But Ferrari is a distant third with twenty-six points. Yeah, and you know that's that's results. When I'm when I'm going into a race, I'm thinking speed. I'm not thinking point total. I'm thinking, okay, who's you know red? We we've pretty much agreed upon the fact that the two Red Bulls are fighting for one and two. Who's going to come out of the pack at Baku? And challenge for the last step of the podium. Is the is the Ferrari fast enough on a straight on a straight line to overcome their deficiencies? And I think tire wear and reliability are their two biggest issues. Yeah, they don't treat the tires very well, and we've seen they're all they've they've used up you know, like all of their allotment of certain components already, and we're three races into the season, so we could very well be seeing penalties for these drivers going forward from the second half of the season on, which is just going to destroy their their year. Mm-hmm. But does that mean that, you know, they won't be able to at least perform well in certain instances? And then is Baku this instance? I think it could be because I, I think the Ferrari engine is probably the second best engine out there behind the Honda. And I think it's faster than the Mercedes in a straight line. And with this being such a long straight, I think this is a race that Ferrari has a chance. Um, now, I, I think it's a very real chance that they end up on the podium with a big asterisk that says they will probably find a way to mess it up. They just any chance? They just do. Any chance they uh, they back their way into a podium because you know everybody else crashes? We've seen that before. We have seen that before. Uh, you know, and, and that's kind of what, you know, what you kind of have to hope for almost um, to, to have a little bit of variety um, in there in, in, in Formula One this year is having uh, a, a crash fest or, or something like that. Um, could it be this year? Could it be at Baku? Eh, I think this not. season, these next two to three races for Ferrari – could actually make or break their entire year. Yeah. Now, when I say make it, they're not going to win the championship. No. Let's, let's just be frank about that. But at some point in time, Alpine's going to get on top of things. You know, McLaren is going to improve. Aston Martin is already the equal or slightly better than the Ferrari. So if they don't get their stuff together... This year could go, it, it could be like, what, three or four years ago when they finished, they were fighting for sixth, seventh, and yeah. eighth or something like that. They were, you know, it was a question mark if they were going to make it into Q3 or not. Yeah. I mean, it, it was just terrible. Yeah. It very well could be. It very well could be. Um, they need to get on it now. Um, I want Ferrari to do well. I want to see them succeed. They haven't shown me anything that tells me that they're going to be able to. They haven't shown me anything that says, oh, we've got this whole strategy thing figured out. We've got, you know, how to run a race, how to manage a race figured out. I just haven't seen that yet. They can they can show me something in Baku, though. 
Uh, if they end up on the podium, then then I'll have a little more faith in Ferrari. But until I see them do something, well, why? You know what's changed from, you know what's changed from Australia to Baku, or you know from last season to now, that we can say, oh, you know what, they're on top of it. They got it figured out. You know, and I think Mercedes will run well. I think uh, Aston, uh, the Aston Martin will run well. But I think the uh, Red Bull is going to be the class of the field, and I think Checo is going to get the win because I want him to. Nice. Wire, who you got? Well, since you picked Checo, then I'm going to pick Lewis Hamilton. Really? Because I just have to pick somebody else, and I don't really want to pick Max. It's the uh, yeah, it's, it's just the kinda, easiest pick yeah. ever. So somebody besides Max. That's what we'll say. It's kind of like when Schumacher was winning everything. Who do you pick besides Michael Schumacher? Who do you pick besides Max Verstappen? I'll go with Checo. You can have Lewis. I'll give you. I'll give you both. I'll give you both Mercedes drivers. How about that? I don't Russell. want George Russell. You don't want George Russell, but you love George give me, Russell. Give me Lewis and Charles. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, um, we will certainly figure that out. Uh, and, well, come back next week and talk about that a little bit more. Um, why are, uh, sports car racing, no no sports car next week. Um, I tell you what, though, month of May is coming up. Looking Indy 500, to Yeah, Indy yeah. 500 coming up. Always love the Indy 500. We have the, uh, you know, the race, I think, next week or the week after on the road course. And then, you know, month of May, qualifying, all that kind of stuff. I, I, I got to say. Watching qualifying at Indy and all that kind of stuff, it's still pretty cool. Yeah. It is it is a death-defying thing what those guys do. So a lot of stuff coming up. Very uh, motorsports-heavy uh, months uh, ahead. And uh, We should with probably that, take four weeks off before we get to it. Yeah, we, we should take a vacation. <laughs> On that note, uh, for we are out here. Why or anything else, my friend? Have a great week. For Chris Wire, my name is Clark Sprinkle. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Until next week, bye-bye.